you weren't at our vision night back in December, uh, you can listen to that online. And we talk about the rationale behind that. The ETR campus has been uh, uh, has given us uh, a wonderful 10 years. And uh, that is not our future anymore. We know that it's uh, it's at capacity. Uh, we can't build any more on that property uh, to house the people who want to come to that campus. And so we know it's time to uh, say goodbye and let another church or another organization have a new chapter there. Uh, I let you know that um, last weekend a church was already interested in that, that they were meeting. Um, uh, here's the situation with that. They have met to have another meeting on January the 18th, they are going to vote as a congregation whether or not to make an offer on the English Tavern Road campus and to start a new chapter there, hopefully. Here's what I'd like for you guys to do. Continue to pray and fast for that uh, clarity of that congregation. But on January the 17th, we're going to do a prayer walk around the ETR campus. We are going to freak the neighbors out out okay because we're gonna we're gonna just round that thing seven times maybe it'll fall in (laughs) i don't know okay but we're gonna do it it's this simple okay there's not gonna be any programming to this we're not bringing you know we're not doing anything just just show up at 10 o'clock it may just be you and my my family i don't care we're gonna do this at 10 o'clock this coming saturday We're going to round that building seven times and we're going to pray that God releases that and gives a new church a new opportunity to have that. Would you guys join me in that on Saturday? Even if we have a thousand people show up, uh, let's do that. Okay. You guys cool? Okay. All right. Yes. All right. Turn with me to Proverbs. Proverbs chapter 14. Um, We started this series, Free and Fearless. What a wonderful way to start a new year talking about how we are to be, because we were made and saved by God, free from sin, strongholds, and dysfunctional cycles in our life. We're going to talk about some of those today. But not only that, we are made and saved to be fearless. We are not made and saved to walk around as fearful people. But we face challenges. We face opportunities with courage and fearlessness. And God has made and saved us to do that. Now, why free and fearless? Because he has a message and he has a mission that he wants us to accomplish in the world that he so loves. You have a reason to exist today. And God has made you free, free and fearless to do that. So we're going to talk more about that today. Um, Proverbs chapter 14. Today we're going to look at King Solomon's advice on emotional and mental health. Right? Because what we think about God, about others and ourselves affects how we feel. And how we feel affects how we act. And so King Solomon Uh, under the inspiration of the Spirit, looks at the law and the prophets, and he comes up with these very practical statements based upon his inspiration and interpretation of those things. And we call them the Proverbs. Now, even though he was the wisest man to have ever lived, according to God's own description, he went through depression. He went through 
really dark times. In fact, if you read the book of Ecclesiastes, it's a, it's a sort of a rant on his depression. Uh, it gets kind of um, resolved at the very end, but, but the whole uh, several chapters, you're just kind of like, man, is this guy okay? Right? Some of you have read the book. Um, this is King Solomon. He, he's a guy, even though he was the wisest man, he dealt with uh, setbacks and disappointments and things didn't always go his way. But this is what he says in this proverb, chapter 14, verse 30. He says, a heart at peace. What's he talking about? He's talking about our emotional life, which begins in the mind. Okay, we use the heart as a metaphor for the emotions, but it really is the mind because that's where we believe everything. That's where we think everything and it affects how we feel he says a heart at peace in other words one that is healthy one that is whole one one that is in balance with what god is doing and who they are in god gives life to the body what is he saying he's saying our emotional and mental life affect our physical life What, what else does he say next part of that he says but envy which is a toxic emotion envy rots the bones what does he say he says so our Mental and emotional life affect who we are physically. And so when that is healthy, when our mental mind, when our mind is healthy, when we're thinking healthy thoughts, when we're thinking pure thoughts, our, our emotions become healthy. And when those two things are healthy, it also even affects our physical well-being. But the opposite, he says, is also true. When we get really sick in our minds and we get really sick in our emotions that too can affect even our physical bodies our physical health so what is he saying he's saying look all of these things affect one another and so what we're going to look at today brentwood church is how we must get healthy and whole in our mental and emotional life If we're going to be free and fearless to be who God made and saved us to be. And I don't know about you, but I want to get all right mentally. Right? So turn with me to Ephesians chapter 4. Now I'm going to tell you a story. And I don't want you to judge me. Okay? So I'm already going to tell you. I don't want you to judge me. Some of you are going to write me an email after this. Okay? So here's the story. Just let it play out. Let it play out, and then you can draw conclusions at the very end. Okay, so there there we go. There's my cards. I have owned two black labs in my life. I bought them, not bought them, but I got them at the same time. They came from the same litter. They were brother and sister. One of them was the gentlest, most obedient, wonderful dog that I've ever known. And she lived in our house for eight years. We eventually had to put her to sleep because she got... Uh, irreversibly sick and it was a very sad day and we cried and it was i mean we still we still compare every dog now to our dog annie so we had her for eight years her brother on the other hand who we named judd judd we only had for eight months and i'm gonna tell you why we only had judd for eight months judd was the alpha male of the litter and judd wanted to be the alpha male of our house. Okay. And we, we, we kind of realized that very early on. He, he just was wicked and stubborn as a dog. And some of you have had this dog before. And some of you know this before. One particular night. I remember. It was about 3 o'clock in the morning. 
And I heard something rustling in the garage. And I thought, somebody's trying to break in my house. So I go down and I open up the garage door and I see that Judd has burst out of his cage. I don't know how he did it. And he has chewed up everything that he could find within the minutes between me coming down the stairs and him getting out of his cage. I mean, stuff everywhere. Just balls were, you know, soccer balls were punctured. I mean, yeah, yeah, bumpers of the car were chewed. I mean, everything. And he sees me seeing him, and he knows immediately that he's in trouble. Therein lies a 10-minute or so pursuit in and around the two cars in my garage. He, he ducks, he jukes, he, he slides. I mean, it looked like something out of a 1980s dog movie, okay? So I'm trying to get this dog, and I am fuming, absolutely furious. By the time I grab his collar, I am about to go crazy. And he does something. He lunges forward as if to get away from me. I balled up my fist and I punched him right in the front hip. Now, those of you who are dog lovers are like, oh, I can't believe you would do that. He was fine, but I cracked my fist and had to go to the medicineer. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, he's just, yeah, okay, whatever, man. And he goes and gets in his cage. I had to go get this thing x-rayed. Now, I'm not going to lie, okay? But I'm hoping the nurse does not ask me what happened. So the whole time, I'm like, I can't lie. I'm not going to lie. I'm not going to say that, you know, whatever. So, yeah, they're, they're asking me, so, so what happened? What exactly happened? Well, I punched something. Well, what, what, what was it? It was a dog. <laughs> oh, dear. Was, was this dog trying to attack your family or something? No. <laughs> yes. And so I got the disdain, judgmental stares from the nurses. Needless to say, the care didn't get very good after that. Here's the, here's the deal. We are mental and emotional beings. God created us to feel. He created us to think. And those two things are parallel with each other. Those things can be and cause us to love people significantly, to serve people sacrificially. That's what our thoughts and our feelings can produce in our life. They can also produce very toxic feelings and very toxic thoughts that cause us to act out and hurt and harm others and ourselves. We know this. We live in a culture of anger mismanagement, don't we? I mean, we face it every day. We live in a culture of chronic depression. We are a very mad, sad, and afraid people. And some of you might be thinking that right now. Why am I so mad all the time? Why am I so sad all the time? Why am I so afraid all the time? Well, that's because those thoughts and those feelings can spiral out of control, right? They can spiral out of control and put us in a frame of thought and mind and feeling that ultimately cause us to act out in ways. It creates depression, anxiety, anger, fury. 
And those things lead to what? Relationship division. They cause divorces, don't they? They cause us to, to say and do things that we regret. Why did I say that? Why did I do that? Some of you are living out the consequences of one decision that you made based on a thought that created a feeling, that created an action. And the consequences of that one thing were so irreversible that you're sitting here today, maybe months or years later, going, I can never go back and change that. And that one decision that I made based on that one thought, based upon that one feeling, maybe changed your marriage or maybe changed a job for you or has caused a rift in a relationship that uh, right now is still not reconciled. We are mental and emotional beings, but God created us. He made and saved us to be whole in those feelings and in those thoughts. And we're going to talk about that today in Ephesians. But first, let me give you the bottom line. Toxic emotions start with the lies we believe about others, God, and ourselves. Toxic emotions start with the lies we believe about others, God, and ourselves. A better order is really, it really starts with our, the lies that we believe about God. What are we seeing right now on, on, on the news and just in the last week when you believe something about God, that God is angry and vengeful and he needs you to take care of his offenses, then we see people, innocent people who get shot and killed in the name of God. A lie that you believe about God affects the way you emote or the way you feel and ultimately the way you and I act. The same thing, the way we, the lies that we believe about other people and the lies that we believe about ourselves. It affects everything. And so we have to dismantle those lies and we have to know that God has given us the ability. Not only has he given us the ability, he's given us the tool. He's given us the guide to help us know when, when we are believing incorrectly about any three of those things so that we can get in the right place to think and feel the right way. So Ephesians chapter four, the apostle Paul is writing this letter to help this church know what their identity is. Isn't that how we started today? That God is unstoppable. He does impossible things. And we've got to believe that. We cannot forget that. And yet sometimes we do. And that's why we sing about it sometimes. Well, this church had to remember that. They had to remember who they were. In the first couple chapters of Ephesians, he's just reminding them of the gospel. Man, this is how much God loves you, that he would send his son, Jesus Christ, to die for you. Not only to die for you, but to, to, to be the ultimate sacrifice and forgiveness of your sins. But God didn't stop there. He's remaking you in his image. And so what does he do? He says, by the time he gets to chapter 4, he's starting to talk about our calling as Christians. Now, if you are not a Christian here today, let me pause for a second and say, so far you might be thinking, okay, this is getting weirder and weirder. And I get that. But first, let me just say, I'm glad that you're here. And I hope you'll hang with us for, through the next uh, 15 or so minutes because I think you're going to see something. 
you're going to see something that Christianity at its core is all about. And something that you, when you get past curiosity and maybe even cynicism, I believe that you will step into. So by the time... By the time Paul gets to chapter 4 and he's talked about the gospel and he's talked about the identity of the, of the Christ follower and who they are and who God's made and saved them to be, he finally makes this statement. Verse 30, and do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God. Have you ever... Have you ever invested in something, time, energy, something that you gave a lot to? Maybe something even sacrificially. It's like, man, I've got a lot of invested in that. And what happens? Sometimes that thing doesn't work out or it's not performing. Or maybe, maybe it's a relationship. And it breaks your heart to see that you had all that invested in that relationship and it just went away like that or one little thing you couldn't overcome what god is saying through the apostle paul is he's saying don't break my heart by not being who i've made and saved you to be think about that if you're a parent you know what i'm talking about you know, you, you work and you parent and you sacrifice and, you, and then all of a sudden it's like, oh, why did you do that? I have so much invested in you. So much time. And then you go all the way back and you try to make them feel, you know, I changed your diapers. I fed you. Why did you do that? Well, this is what God is saying through. He's like, just don't break my heart because here's what I have something invested in you. In fact, the down payment of that investment, sorry, it's, uh, it's the beard. It's growing too much and it's, I have so much invested in you so much that I have put my Holy Spirit in you to change you, to redeem you. I have made you holy through my spirit in you. And if you will follow me, if you will let me guide you through my spirit, I will help you think like me, believe the truth about who you are, who I am, and who, who other people are, and what your miss, mission and message is in the world. I will help you feel wholly, correctly, and therefore you will begin to act like me. So, don't grieve my spirit. Don't break my heart by not living up to your identity. By not living up to the potential that I have given you. The writer of Hebrews gets in on this. He says this. He says, Hebrews 10.10, For by his will, we have been made holy through the sacrifice of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. You are already holy if you're a Christian. You catch that? He's already made you whole. You already have the potential to think, feel, and act like the God of the universe. And he's put a down payment on your eternity in you right now, his spirit, 
to be your guide to every day living out the potential and the investment that God has already put in you. What does it mean to be holy? Real quick. It means to be healthy, whole, and wise in the ways that we're talking about mentally and emotionally and ultimately the way we act, which affects our spirit. Remember what what Solomon said? How one is healthy, the other is healthy. How one is toxic, the other becomes toxic. And so God has made you holy. He's invested a lot in you as, a, as his child. And today, he wants to help you be free and fearless in the potential that he's put in your life. Um, one of my favorite shows right now is a show called The Prophet. It's not about a guy who goes around predicting the future, I promise. It's about this multimillionaire entrepreneur. It's on CNBC if you're interested in watching it. It's about this multimillionaire entrepreneur though, named Marcus Lemonis. And he goes to uh, businesses that are struggling. And he goes in not as a consultant. Hey, here's what you should do to fix this. He goes in as a potential investor. He goes in and he finds out what's the core of what's wrong with your business, whether it's a candy making shop or a, you know, a, a screen printing shop, uh, all the way to a meat packing uh, warehouse. I mean, this guy, it doesn't matter. He, he'll, you call him up and if he, if he likes the deal, he'll come in and they make a whole TV show about it. So he goes in and every episode comes to this climactic event where he's sort of walked around the business for a, for a while Asking questions, what's the people, what's the process, what's the product? And he gets to this point where he sits down with the owners or the partners of the business to make the deal. This is a big point in the show where he literally pulls out a checkbook and he says, I'm going to invest so many hundreds of thousands of dollars in your business, but I want 20% or I want 50%. Or I want 51%. And there's this little negotiation that goes on between the partners and him about whether or not they're going to take the deal or not. He tells them what they're going to do, he's going to do with the money and how they're going to make millions if they take the deal. It's, it's a really fascinating show. And if you think about it, though, one thing that he asks before they make the deal is the same thing that God asks of us. He says this. He says, listen, if you make this deal, if you take this money and you make me your partner, I am 100% in charge until this thing gets fixed and profitable again. Why? Because it didn't get broken overnight. And it's not going to get fixed overnight but there's already an investment in it that will change everything. The same thing is true of you and me. God made you holy, but you're not yet perfect. He made you holy. In other words, he's already given you the potential to be healthy, whole, and wise. It's already, you're already forgiven. And now he wants you to begin and he wants me to begin to act like it. And he says, I am 100% in charge of making you profitable. Of making your life healthy, whole, and wise. 
Can you imagine what would happen if a group of people got unleashed in this community who were seeking that at radical levels every day and not making excuses for when they fail, but knowing where forgiveness and restarts come from? Hmm. Well, that brings us back to Ephesians chapter 4, the conversation that Paul is having with this group of people. Remember, toxic emotions, where do they begin? They begin with the lies that we believe about others, God, and ourselves. And when we begin to believe lies about others, are these people my enemies? Are these people out to get me? We believe lies about God. Who is God? Is God really um, t- really trying to trip me up? Is he, he really trying to mess my life up? Is he really trying to be overly demanding in my life? Is, is God just done with me? Am, am I, have I ruined my life with this sin? Have I ruined my life with this choice in my life? When we believe those lies about God, then it affects who we feel or how we feel and then ultimately how we act. And Paul addresses this. He says, get rid of all bitterness, rage, and anger, brawling, and slander along with every form of malice. What is Paul saying to us as the church? He's saying, look, God made you holy, but you forget that sometimes. And you believe old lies about yourself, about who God is, and about who other people are. And as a result... You start to feel that way and you start to act out of that. The main offender is, of course, anger. We get mad. Now, I know what some of you are saying. Well, John, I'm not really a mad person. I'm kind of, I'm a common even keeled. This has nothing to do with personality type. There's something in some way that you express anger. And what Paul is saying, he's saying, look, this, this, is, this is not who you are anymore. But when you get angry in this way, in an unrighteous or an unrighteous way, you start to rage, you start to brawl, you start to slander, you start to malice. That's just mean, meanness. And he's saying, that's not who you are. That's not who God made and saved you to be. But you are acting that way. Some of you are there right now. But God has made you holy. He's made you healthy and wise. And he wants to draw that out of you. And so today may just be the day that you were reminded that you can believe the truth about who you are. That you are forgiven. That you are free. And God wants to do an awesome thing in you. But where does this kind of anger come from? It comes from the lie that we don't believe that God is just, right? Because if God isn't just, then I have to take care of justice. It it starts with the, the, the lie that we are entitled to stuff, that we have to defend ourselves, that when we get offended or when we get excluded, that we need to take that personal and it's a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a slight on who we are and our identity. Well, they didn't include me in that. And they offended me by saying that. And so I need to think this certain way. And I need to feel this certain way. And I need to act this certain way. 
we don't believe that God can take care of justice for us. We don't believe that despite what somebody might think of us, what does God think of you? And as a result, we act out in these things. What, what, what are these forms of anger? Real quick, let's go, let's go through them. Bitterness is an ongoing resentment for someone. That, that begins with the lie um, that you cannot forgive somebody. Because you have to hold that thing against them to stay in control. Oh yeah, we got somebody there, I know. But you know what truth that gets replaced with? God has forgiven you of everything, past, present, and future. And he has equipped you to do the same for other people. Listen, you can forgive today. You can. And you have had your fist clenched for years over that thing, over that person. Today is the day you get free from it. That is not your identity you were made and saved to be, to think, to feel, and to act like God. And God is a forgiver, and he has made you a forgiver. Yeah. Yeah. Next. Rage and anger. It's furious outbursts of anger. We have a way of justifying this sometimes, right? We're chasing a, a dog around the, the, the garage. And maybe you have that story where you just, you raged. You, you, and, and this begins with the lie that we have to defend ourselves. This begins with the lie that we cannot control our emotions. And yet, the truth is that God has given us his spirit. And the fruit of his spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness. And does anybody know the last one? You can say it out loud. Self-control. Self-control. God has given you the ability to literally filter your emotions, even toxic ones, back into joy, peace, patience, kindness, and goodness. Next, brawling, a physical altercation based upon anger, not protection. This is not somebody protecting themselves uh, from violence. This is just somebody who uh, just, that, that's how you deal with problems. And that's very similar to rage. And we have to believe the same truth, and that is that we are created for peace, patience, kindness, goodness, in fact, Jesus even says this, you're blessed when you're a peacemaker. You're blessed when you turn the other cheek. We call it the three-day rule in my house. It's, it's very common. Some of you know this. When somebody says something or does something, takes your parking lot at Walmart, your parking spot at Walmart, or the lady at the cash, cashier doesn't give you your money back and you had your receipt anyway, or fill in the blank, Ask yourself this, are you really going to care about it in three days? Are you going to care about it in three days? Because before you say that thing or do that thing out of the anger that you feel right now, you're about to make a, a spotlight on who you are in that moment and affect not only you but other people. 
But if you know in three days you're probably not going to be thinking about it at all, then walk away and know that God has made you holy. That God has made you somebody who brings peace, not brawling. Next. Slander. Saying false and damaging words about somebody. What is this? This is the lie that we are worthless. And that we have to build ourselves up by tearing other people down. And we think, why are we even talking about this in church? Because we have been made holy, but we forget that. We forget that. And so we begin to believe the lie that we're worthless. And so because I'm worthless, I've got to tear somebody else down to pull myself back up. But the truth is this. You are loved by God. You are forgiven by God. You have a purpose given to you by God. You have eternity with God and you have the same spirit that rose Jesus from the dead in you. Who's empowered you with spiritual giftings and a spiritual role in his body and his mission. Nobody can tear you down with their words. And don't let you be an agent to tear someone else down with yours. You're holy. Believe it. Think it. Feel it. Act it. And then finally, malice. That's just spite and meanness. This is a person who has let anger and bitterness turn into them. And I promise you, this happens in churches. Some of you grew up in a church and you knew that group of people or you knew that person that was just mean. He or she had their big old giant Bible and had their Sunday school pins for perfect attendance all the way down to their belt buckle. And yet they were mean. Why? Because they believed something about God. God was never satisfied with their behavior. God was never satisfied with their religiosity. God was never satisfied with them. And yet, God loves them. God forgives them. God's remaking them. And maybe that's where some of you are right now. If you're self-aware and you think, why am I so mean and why do people think I'm so mean? Maybe you believe a lie about God, about others, and yourself. And the truth is this. God has made you holy. He wants to reshape the way you think, feel, and act. And he put his spirit in you to do just that. But listen, toxic emotions, where do they begin? They begin with lies. But the good news is this, 2 Corinthians. Look what Paul says. He says, take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. Take captive. What does that mean? We, we talked about this before. That we have the ability when we think a certain thing that will turn into an emotion, we can take it captive and make it obedient to Christ. We can give that to the spirit that's in us Replace that lie with truth. Who am I? I'm holy. I'm healthy. I'm whole and I'm wise. 
And God has given me the empowerment to be that very thing. Take captive. And as a result, Ephesians 4 verse 32 Paul finishes that statement by saying, instead of being angry and slanderous, he says, be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as Christ, um, just as in Christ, God forgave you. He says, look, it all goes back to you believing that you're forgiven. It all goes back to believing that you have been made worthy. And when you and I believe that, we begin to act out. Kindness, compassion, and forgiveness. Isn't that what should define us as people? I mean, if we're going to get in here and we're going to sing these songs every week and we're going to open up the Bible and we're going to go to our community groups and we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna tell people at work and in our neighborhoods that we're Christians, shouldn't the very thing that makes us Christian is the way we think and feel and act? And what if we were always accused of being too kind, too compassionate, and too forgiving? If we were, then we would be pretty close to the way God made and saved us to be. That's who we are, Roman Church. And I don't know about you, but that's the kind of church that I want to be a part of. And so today we got to get practical and we got to wrestle with this personally as well as corporately as a church. Right now, our host teams are passing out some buckets. In those buckets are some index cards and some pins. Here's what I'd like for you to do. For the next few seconds, I want you to write out some toxic emotions that either are or have been a cycle in your life. We've talked big time about anger today and the different manifestations of anger, but it could be fear. It could be anxiety. It could be uh, darker things. Whatever that is, just get honest with God and yourself and write those things out on one side of the margin of that index card. Here's what I'd like for you to do on the other margin. With the Holy Spirit's help, I want you to write out a truth that you know from God's word, from your own personal experience of breakthrough. I want you to write out the truth that turns that lie around. So if it's fear, maybe you're just a fearful person. You're always just, what if this and what if that? And I don't know. And I can't make that decision because you know that's not how God created you to be. He didn't create you to be a fearful person. And so what's the truth? You know, just write that truth out. No weapon formed against you shall prosper. As a Christian, not, nothing, nothing that a person or the enemy can conjure up can destroy you. If it's anger, if you're just an angry person today, 
just right, right over to the side, the truth that you know that the Holy Spirit has given you. It could be two, it could be ten. But take the time to do that. During our time of, of singing, you can continue to do that. But at any point, I want to invite you to place that at one of these crosses at our response stations. As we sing, just, you know, whenever you, whenever you feel like you, you've really done some business with God and just said, okay, that's not my identity. My identity is in the truth. And you can put that lie right there at the cross, knowing that the truth is who you are and who God has made and saved you to be. And then you can walk out of here today free and fearless because that's who you are in Jesus Christ. If you don't feel comfortable doing that, or if maybe you just want to hang on to that card for a little bit, you take it with you today. Otherwise, feel free at any point to bring it to our response station. As, as always, communion is available. If you're a follower of Jesus Christ and you want to remember the body and the blood of Christ until he comes, there are candles here to represent intercessory prayer. I invite you to do that as well. Would you stand with me? Would you sing? If you're still writing, continue to do so. Otherwise, you can, have, you can stand up and begin to worship in song with us.